0: A number of years ago, I got word that a friend of mine was in the hospital. He'd had an accident. I had a chance to go and see him there. And he told me this story about what had happened. He's an electrician and he was working on a a commercial job uh, doing a renovation in a a commercial building. And uh, he was dealing with 347 volt lines. They had uh, disabled and shut off all the power to the uh, two breakers that were in the area that they were working on. And they were happily uh, getting on with it. And uh, he was on a ladder and he grabbed a wire and unbeknownst to him, it was live. Uh, it, it, It just it caused him to grip it hard he couldn't let it go, and, and he, he's feeling his body this, with this uh, amount of um, voltage shooting through his body. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't let go of the wire, and uh, he found himself starting to, to, to go. Things were going a little bit dark, and he thought to himself, this is the end of my life. And one last thing he thought about was the ladder, and he forced his knee against the ladder, going backwards off the ladder, uh, breaking his shoulder and, and uh, breaking some, uh, crushing some vertebrae. And uh, he woke up with the ambulance there, took him into hospital, and he was about five months recuperating in this. And uh, when I talked to him, he said, you know, I know better. This shouldn't have happened. There was a rogue wire. Nobody would have guessed that it was live. It was coming from another place. And uh, he said, he said, I I should have known that. I should have known that. And and I think there's a principle in this story. And that is this knowledge without application is useless. He knew what he should do but he assumed that everything was would be fine. They had shut off the power to two other breakers. He didn't know, and he should have tested that before he touched it. Knowledge without application is useless. Uh, we know this in many ways in our life. Uh, if you're going to school and uh, you want to have good marks, uh, you know what you have to do, and yet you don't do it. You don't study hard. You don't set aside other things. You, you won't have the results. You've got the knowledge of what to do. It's just that you don't do it. You may know that drinking and driving is, is uh, uh, an accident waiting to happen. And uh, yet you go out and do it anyway. You want to lose weight. And you know what, what ha- you have to do to do that. But you don't do the things that are necessary in order to lose weight. See, knowledge without application is useless. And I want to tell you something that God is not impressed with knowledge by itself. If you don't apply that knowledge, it doesn't do you any good. God is not impressed. I remember a number of years ago, uh, I knew of uh, a church group of men and they would get together for a Bible study. And occasionally I would hear them in their Bible study and they these were, you know, a number probably eight or nine older guys and they all had their own theological hobby horses and they would love to toss that theological bone on the table and work it over and. Everybody had their own position and their own view, and they they would do that. And the thing that I thought, and and that can be fun to do as well, to get into a a good uh, argument over which views of things are right or wrong, uh, but that's not why we study the Bible. We study the Bible to change our lives so that we become more like Jesus Christ. Um, I had a professor that was taking a course at Harvard, uh, from a, a, a Jewish scholar who was doing, uh, who was a specialist in the work of the Apostle Paul. Now, if you know about the Jews, they don't accept the New Testament, and so my professor was really quite uh, intrigued by this, and uh, and the man knew the material, and uh, so my professor said to him, uh, "Tell me, uh, do you do you believe this stuff?" And he said, oh, no, I I don't. So he's teaching something that he doesn't believe. He knows about it, but there's no personal uh, application in his own life. Well, the heart of the Christian life is love. Love for God and love for others. And it's interesting what the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 and 2. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I've got that kind of knowledge that I can speak the the language of angels, that I can speak uh, all kinds of languages, but I don't have love. It's not worth anything to God. He goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. You see, you can know a lot, but not... Live that out in your life. And that that goes nowhere with God. God is not impressed with that. God is love. And God's desire for each one of us is life transformation. That is that we would become more and more and more like Jesus. So knowledge proclaimed but not practice is, well, it's hypocritical, isn't it? And Jesus understood this. With the Pharisees, the Pharisees had all kinds of knowledge, they would have uh, great, great tracts of the Old Testament, all uh, known by heart and um, but all of that knowledge didn't cause them to live in the way that they were supposed to live. So that Jesus could bring this indictment against them. For I tell you, he says in Matthew 5 20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, these guys knew it all. They had it. They had it memorized. They, They knew it backward and forward. But somehow they weren't making connection with practical outworking of the word of God in their life. I think of the mission of the church, Jesus, just before he heads back uh, after his resurrection in in, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 28, um, he says this uh, to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, go make followers of me, go tell them what I've done for them and invite them to follow me just as you're following me. And then he goes on to say, uh, and then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go and initiate them into this body of Christ, the church. Uh, Go and and, uh, publicly identify them with the movement. And then he said this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's saying there. What you need to do as the church is you need to help people to know what I've taught and to obey it, to know and obey it, because to own it, uh, to know without obeying, without putting it into practice, we said is useless. And what we are called to do as the church and what you and I are on this journey is That will take us right through our whole lifetime to understand what Jesus has told us. And and to live in such a way uh, that we obey it and live it out in very practical ways. Jesus would say this in John 14 and 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So you can have lots of knowledge. But if you love Jesus... You'll obey what he says. And I want you to know that there are scores and scores of references throughout the Bible uh, telling us that we need to obey what God says. Well, God uses the Bible to make us spiritually alive. And we looked at this last week. In 1 Peter 1.23, it says this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring word of God. They were made alive spiritually. We said last week, you may want to follow Jesus Christ, but you can't do that until you are spiritually alive. You may want to grow spiritually, but you have to have a spiritual birth prior to that. And in James 1.18, it says this, uh, he chose to give us birth. Through the word of truth. And we see in these verses. That what God uses to to bring about a new birth in our life. to, To make us alive and awaken us spiritually. Is the word of God. The spirit of God takes the word of God. And brings conviction and life to us. So God uses the Bible to make us spiritually alive. But God also uses the Bible to lead us to live a righteous life. His desire for us is to live a life that is right before God, that would be pleasing to God, that would be concerned and care for the needs of others. And so those who are called uh, or have experienced the new birth are called to live what this implanted word, he says, this word that has been implanted in us from the Bible, uh, we need to follow that calling for God. It's critical to our spiritual life. It's the word of God to us. It's God speaking to us. It's God's communication to us, telling us what he wants us to know and what he wants us to do and how we should behave ourselves and how we would relate to him. He wants us to know what to do and what to believe. He wants us to know uh, what his desire is for our life. And so in that, we're going to look at uh, James 1, verse 19 to 27. And the first thing we notice in this passage is this, that there is a call to righteous living. There's a call to righteousness uh, that, that God wants us as his followers, Jesus' followers, uh, to live in a, in a proper way. He says this in verses 19 to 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. He says, if you are a follower of Jesus, this needs to be reflected in your life and how you live. What does a follower of Jesus look like? Uh, Well, he says this, he said, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Uh, It's no accident. I think that we have two ears and one mouth. We're to be uh, quick to listen, to to listen to others, to hear them out. We should be quick to listen to the word of God and, and bring it in and drink it into our lives. And, uh, And he says, uh, and and slow to speak and slow to becoming angry because anger uh, will not uh, fulfill what God wants and desires for us in our life. Now, James will pick up these themes over and over again. He'll talk about uh, the tongue here that we've got to watch how we speak to others. He'll talk about it in chapter three. He'll talk about it later in chapter one here. And and what he goes on to say is this, that uh, we need to get rid of moral filth uh, and, and the evil that's so prevalent. We live in a world where we see all kinds of evil around us. We see the prevalence of uh, rejecting God and uh, morally things that are reprehensible to God. uh, We're to strip it off, as it were, like we take off clothes. Now, I told you uh, I told you last week that, uh, believe it or not, I was a pig farmer, uh, a teenage pig farmer. But uh, uh, we would go into the barn and you'd wear coveralls and you'd come in there. And uh, when you got out, they would be dirty and smelly and you'd want to get them off. And he says, it's that way with the stuff that's prevalent in the world that impacts you, strip it off, get rid of it uh, and receive and accept the implanted word of God in you. Follow that. Well, that's a call to righteous living. That's what he wants us to do. But there's also a call to doing and not just hearing. To doing and not just hearing. In verses 22 to 25 in James 1, it says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who claims to listen to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. That is genuine faith, he wants us to know, is expressed not just in knowledge. Now, knowledge is important and we need knowledge and we need right knowledge and and truth but if, if we have knowledge, but we're not living it out, it doesn't do us any good. If we've got this word implanted in us, but we're not following it, it's not helpful. Don't obey, he says for them there, uh, if you don't obey the word of God, uh, you're, you're just, uh, you, you don't know what's going on. You, you're not, you're not understanding what he wants for you. And they're fooling themselves. They're deceived. They think they're believers, but in fact, they're not. They need to do it. And it requires more than believing. True believing is evidenced by doing and by obeying. And this is a picture of a person who hears and doesn't do. He looks in the mirror, he sees the imperfections, and he goes away and forgets what he saw. Now, I can be enthusiastic about some things at times, and I can be wrongly enthusiastic in some things that can be very hurtful. Uh, At one point, I was quite enthusiastic uh, shaving with a razor. Now, you need to understand, my razor has five blades on it. And uh, I like the, I like the multi blade razor, but they can do a lot of damage as well. And so I'm going wildly shaving and I got myself, I nicked myself, but good. And there's, there's blood in the shower and I get out and you know, when you start with the little pieces of tissue, you wet them and stick them on and that wasn't working. So I went and looked for a bandage. And uh, the bandage I, I found was, uh, was a good bandage. It was uh, the only problem with this bandage was it was a Disney bandage. And in fact, the image on the bandage, it was a yellow bandage, was Goofy, the dog, the, the Disney dog. And so I thought, well, I'll put that on, let the bleeding stop, and then later I'll take it off and we'll be good to go. I had to go uh, that day uh, and pick something up at the grocery store. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, you know, that, that bandage will have to come off. And then I forgot. And I went and I, I saw the woman at the till looking at me and smiling and looking at my chin. And I, I was oblivious to it. I went into the church and uh, into the office and they're looking and they're, they're smiling and, uh, finally, I went in and saw myself in a mirror and I thought, oh man, I've been, I've been walking around half a day with this Disney, this goofy bandage on me. I, I just, I just forgot about it. And, and, you know, when we look into the mirror, God shows us things that need to be changed. When we look into his word, his word that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can divide and can reveal things about us and, and even the, uh, the motives of our heart. And, and he shows us things that need some attention. And, and we've got one of two things to do. We can take care of that and correct it. Or we can go and forget all that, what, all that God has shown us. All that we need to do. And so uh, God wants to help us grow. And so he reveals to us things that need to change in our life. And we have knowledge of that. But the important thing is what do we do with that knowledge? Um, will, we, will we correct what needs to be correct, uh, corrected um, or not? And he, he goes on. Uh, to say that um, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. I don't know about you, but... If you can put yourself in a place of blessing, that's where I want to be. And the place of blessing is to look into this perfect law of liberty. This thing that will release us and free us. This thing that will change our life. This thing that will make us more like Christ is to take and do what is said. Be a doer and not just a hearer only. Do you want blessing in your life? Do you want God's blessing? Do you want to grow? Do you want to mature? Do you want to be strengthened in your faith? Um, Do you want to be full of joy and enthusiasm and and have peace in your life and fulfillment um, in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, it can happen, but it happens only when we're moved beyond the hearer stage to the doing stage. Well, finally, he sums up by talking about true religion. True religion, and that term religion is used in the Bible not a lot of times, but it it reflects what we think about in religion as well. That is the external uh, things that we do and practice because of religion, the rules that we follow. Um, we, we speak about religion and religious people and how they live according to certain Rules and and certain teaching and they do uh, certain rituals and have a system of worship. And uh, he says in here and in verse uh, uh, 26 to 27. If anyone considers himself to be religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. And uh, and uh, a religion that God our father accepts is pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one from becoming polluted by the world. So we talk about religion. We talk about religious people. And uh, Jesus was very much uh, familiar with religious people uh, in uh, in what they did and who they were and how they behaved themselves. And he found himself continually dealing with them uh, in areas where they talked a good talk, but they didn't have the walk. They knew a lot. They didn't practice very much of it. And um, they prided themselves in their lifestyle and and how they kept the rules. And James says to them that true religion is not based on mere outward. observance of certain rituals, as important as they can be even, but on how they express their faith in three separate areas that could be a barometer of where their heart was and where they were, where they stood with God. And, and, and so in these three areas, the first one is the discipline over the use of their tongues. Uh, that is what they use, how they use their tongues, what they used it for. How they employed it. Um, Did they use that to tear down people? To demoralize them? To hurt them? uh, To belittle them? Or to deceive them? Or trick them? Or do we find them bringing life. And encouragement. And joy. And affirmation. You see they had the opportunity to use their tongues. In very powerful and very beneficial ways. But he caught them rather Tearing people down and hurting them. And James says to us, how do we use our speech? Because if we want to be doers of the word, then we're not going to use poorly and and in harmful ways the tongue that God has given to us. Well, secondly, he says we need to care for the most needy in, in society. The two most needy care, uh, people in uh, in the New Testament times were widows and orphans. Uh, they were people who didn't possess the means to provide for themselves properly. They were the ones that didn't have somebody there to, to help them. Uh, they were the ones that were distressed and take advantage of in some cases. And, and his question is... What do you do with them? Do you reach out? Do you love them? Do you care for them? Do you, do you help them? In fact, this began, became a measure for the Israelites in terms of their spirituality. In, uh, in Exodus 22, 22, it says, Don't take advantage of a widow or an orphan. And the question is, do we care for those people who are underprivileged, who who are struggling, who are going through difficult times? He says, you want to show religion that counts with Jesus? This is the kind it is who takes care of the needy, who pours out their life and love and care to help them. Well, there's a third one, and that is to keep oneself polluted uh, from being polluted or corrupted by the world around us. Uh, We face continuous uh, pressure from our environment, the environment we live in. Our values need to be God's values. And yet we live in, in an environment in which God's values are not... Uh, held up, or lived by, or, or directed and guided society at all. Now, I told you I was, uh, I was a pig farmer, and uh, when we would go into the pig barn, you'd put different clothes on to go in there. And uh, uh, my, my dad, uh, we had a business, and so this was kind of a side hobby for us. Uh, with these pigs and my dad would have maybe a sow that was uh, ready to give birth and he may have slipped home from the uh, from the, st- the store and go to check them and then uh, when you go into a pig barn if you don't have a hat on the smell gets in your hair it gets in the fabric it gets in the po- in your pores and uh, my dad would try this little trick. He would get some cologne and put it on. And I said, dad, are you serious? You smell like a pig in cologne. You can't do that. You can't go into that environment uh, without being tainted by it. And so we've got to be careful that we live in an environment that can taint us, that can make us like it is. The apostle Paul would say in Romans 12 and verse two, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if we're going to be honest about this, we need to live by God's values in a place, frankly, where it's seeking to make us and form us into its mold. Well, we've been talking about how to grow in our faith, how to grow up. We've been talking about how to be strengthened, how to be mature, and, and how to be become more and more like Jesus. We learned that we, last week, that we have to be spiritually fed. If we're not being fed spiritually, we're we not make it. We can't be strong. We'll, we'll get weaker and weaker. And, and we have run the risk of dying. But if we're going to grow physically... We need physical food. If we're going to grow spiritually, we need spiritual food. The word of God, as he says, that has been implanted in us and allowing it to work in and through our life. But the word of God will never grow grow and develop in us unless we learn to apply it and obey it and follow it. And Jesus was straight on about this, that his concern was not that we learn a lot, but don't practice, but that as we learn, we would bring our lives into conformity with him. Now I'm going to warn you, uh, doing that and being that kind of person can be challenging. I mean, to follow Jesus, uh, he said, uh, teaching us to obey everything Jesus commanded. Jesus commanded a lot of things that may be unpalatable for us and difficult and challenging. He, he said, love your enemies. Ouch. He said, forgive those who hurt you, even if they don't acknowledge that they hurt you, even though they, they, they maybe even uh, uh, are, are bragging about it. Forgive them. Forgive them. Hang in there when you feel like, quitting, be generous people, uh, giving to others, helping others. You see, when we, what we do is we go through our life and we study the word of God. We're studying what Jesus wanted of us. And, and we'll do that until our dying day. And, and this is uh, the mission of our church. This is, uh, this is what we do to help each other to grow. And uh, what, you, what we need to do Is to take in the nourishment of the word of God, but not only to take it in, but also to obey it and do what it says. Now, we said knowledge is uh, is uh, without application is useless. And last week we started reading and we wanted to, to. Take a, a chunk of scripture, w- which was the uh, letter to James near the end of the New Testament and to take it and to use the, the little uh, template that we had from first uh, from Second Timothy three 16 and 17 yesterday. And and I want to encourage you to keep on that. You can get that information uh, on our, our website and you can track with us. And we're asking you to read a passage, not a long passage each day. And then to ask some questions of that passage in terms of application. And we're to ask, and, and uh, what is it? Is there something in here that God wants us to know, to learn? Is there something that he wants us to be warned to stay away from or to avoid? Is there something he wants us to change? Then we identify that as the spirit of God brings application to our mind. And then is there something he wants us to do? Maybe and or stop doing. And so when we do this, you will be absolutely amazed when you take and get the word of God into you and you begin to allow God to shape your life and you obey it and do what it says. And you will uh, you will enjoy the blessing of God and you'll uh, enjoy. Uh, growth, the likes that you never thought was possible in your life. And I want to encourage you to keep going at this as we look in the the series um, about grow up. Let's grow up in our faith and become mature. Uh, God bless you in that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for what it does when you speak into our hearts and lives and you convict us of things that are wrong. And you teach us things that we need to know about you and about ourselves and about our world that guide us and lead us. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for the warnings of scripture to keep us from, uh, from error and from harm. And we thank you that with the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives can change. And we can begin to do things that perhaps we weren't doing before. And we can become the people of God that you want us to be. And so, Father, I just want to thank you for those that put their name down and they said, I will commit myself this fall in going through this process to grow in you. And I pray that this week will be a week where we'll grow together. In Christ's name, amen.